0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting to you on demand from Buffalo, New York in the Black Rock neighborhood. Today is Sunday, March 24th. It is a cloudy 41 degrees Fahrenheit, 5 degrees Celsius for the international listeners. I'm here with my WrestleNomics Radio coffee mug. And remember, you can always go to WrestleNomics.com. No, you can't buy any merchandise there, not even the mug. You can't even see ads there. Not at WrestleNomics.com, where it's all free. Think of it as the professional wrestling public library. It serves as a great starting point for any wrestling research you may be doing. I've been updating that in the last week. The WrestleNomics drive and the legal drive are now embedded right on the site. Links to a few other really informative spreadsheets, including, uh, one on New Japan attendance, courtesy of Evan. One on Ring of Honor attendance, courtesy of Lavi. Really, this site is just kind of serving for me as a, uh, I don't know, a quick links starting page. For when I have to think about stuff or I have to find links, it's basically just a favorites toolbar in the form of a website, but I thought just maybe this might be useful to others as well. Added to the WrestleNomics YouTube channel this week is a compilation of three different talks that Mookie and I had in 2018 about the employee-independent contractor issue in pro wrestling, specifically around WWE, you can find that on our YouTube channel. But today, in a follow-up from last week, we'll talk a little bit more about Wrestlemania attendance, Becky Lynch is the top merchandise seller in WWE. What the capacity will be for WrestleMania 35 in New Jersey. But first, the World Wrestling Federation. World Wrestling Federation. One moment. World Wrestling Federation. One moment. World Wrestling Federation. One moment. World Wrestling Federation one moment. WWE is moving its headquarters to another location also in Stamford, Connecticut. The process is going to take a few years, but by early 2021, WWE will be moving from Titan Tower on 1241 East Main Street to further down along the I-95 to 677 Washington Boulevard in Stamford. That's about two miles away from Titan Tower. Titan Tower, therefore, will be sold by the company. WWE put out a press release on Wednesday stating this move will allow the company to bring together its operations, including its production studios and corporate offices at its new site. WWE co-president George Barrio said, quote, one of the most important elements necessary to execute WWE's long-term growth strategy is world-class talent collaborating seamlessly to create compelling content. Our workplace initiative will be the foundation to meet these objectives and underpins our ability to deliver long-term value. The new site in Stanford's Central Business District provides greater access to various means of transportation, floor plans, which are well-suited to producing video content, and greater flexibility in workplace design, the press release said. Again, that move not happening immediately, the company anticipates. It will move to the new headquarters by early 2021. The company expects to sell Titan Tower, that is the building located at 1241 East Main Street, and W is going to exit its leased spaces at 1266 East Main Street, that is the Alpha Entertainment office that's at least one of the offices located at that building. That's just across the street from Titan Tower down the street. And they will evaluate options for its production studio facilities at 88 and 120 Hamilton Avenue, also in Stanford. Dodie actually put out a Q&A document along with this announcement that largely just rephrased uh, what was said in the press release, but also answered the question about why they didn't move the headquarters to a location outside of the metro New York City area. W.E., perhaps George Berrios wrote, typically headquarter relocations are driven by four primary factors, which sure sounds like a George Berrios response. Number one, to improve access to talent. Number two, Create a catalyst for cultural change and organizational effectiveness. Number three, support organizational restructuring and or number four, provide greater access to transportation and infrastructure. It goes on, however, such moves are often characterized by significant costs and business disruption. We believe we can achieve the noted benefits, including greater access to world-class talent and enhanced effectiveness in creating compelling content with the new Stanford facility, while avoiding the expense and business disruption that would have been associated with moving outside the region. Uh, analysis-wise, I don't have any strong thoughts on this. Uh, w has a buttload of money coming in from TV rights. They're investing it. They choose to invest it in this new headquarters building still in Stanford. I suppose they think that this is going to further meet their needs as a media company, as a company that has its own direct-to-consumer video service. It's closer to transportation. Sure, there's probably a lot of other reasons that I'm just not privy to. The details on. So this site was formerly uh, occupied by the banking company UBS. So UBS, a couple of years ago, moved across the street on Washington Boulevard. The Stanford Advocate reported in December 2017 that a company called Stanford Washington Investors LLC bought the property for $33 million. The SEC Form 8K that WB put out, along with this announcement, does name Stanford Washington Office LLC as the Landlord. And it says that they're leasing the building at 677 Washington Boulevard and at 707 Washington Boulevard. The Stanford Advocate article from 2017 says that it, the building contains an approximately 700,000 square foot structure that formerly housed the local offices of investment banking giant UBS and was once the world's biggest trading floor. So you look at this building on Google Maps. There is a large building that looks like it could be a convention center or a large stock trading floor. That is right about at 707 Washington Boulevard. So perhaps that's what WB has access to now as well as it maybe it'll use some sort of production facility. Who knows? And just looking back, you can look at the 2015 annual report from WB where WB said it reevaluated its plans to develop and improve an improved and expanded media center at the location of their existing production facility. The annual report said this expansion project was initiated several years ago, but the expansion was delayed due to economic uncertainty at the time. In light of the company's current operating model, including the increased production demands of W network and headcount requirements, the company has made the determination that these costs, which included architectural engineering and technical design costs, would not be viable and as such have deemed them abandoned. Accordingly, we recorded a non-cash abandonment charge of $7.1 million to write off the carrying value of these costs. So again, that's from the annual report in 2015. Looks like they were considering some some renovation of their media center. I believe that's the building down the street on East Main Street, not at Titan Tower. It sounds like maybe related to network requirements, the way the business changed. They needed to do something else than was originally planned. And uh, I've I've just been informed there's there seems to be a commotion going on in the lobby at Titan Tower. We're and and we are going to go to that audio right don't now. Give me attitude. Huh? You give me attitude. Who's your boss? My boss is Mark Kowala. And who's his boss? Go talk to him. Oh, who's his yes. boss? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. His boss is George Barrios. Oh, Go, 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 go. I'm going to call the boss right now. There's some sort of commotion going on there with security. The Nomics team does have a broadcast journalist on the scene. Uh, we're going to go on with the program, but we will break in with any news as it comes. In other news, Sean Ross Sapp of mentioned on Twitter that Becky Lynch is WWE's top merchandise seller. And I have no way of knowing how true that is or not, but I find it believable. Uh, it's true that Google Shopping data doesn't support that. But on the other hand, when you look at Google Shopping data, people like Kane perform really well there. Uh, I think it's worth noting when you go to WWE Shop, that website, if you look at the drop-down menu, uh maybe some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, but the top eight Faces they have up there are, in this order, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, all four members of the Undisputed Era in one square, followed by Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, Ronda Rousey, and Sasha Banks. Uh, The men are on the top row, the women are on the bottom row. In other news, WWE's business partner, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, has been authorizing since 2017 a team called the Saudi Rapid Intervention Group. No, that's not the name of a new professional wrestling stable. A secret campaign to silent dissenters including operations related to surveillance, kidnapping, detention, and torture of Saudi citizens. This all a year before Jamal Khashoggi was killed in Istanbul, Turkey in October. This is a news story broken by the New York Times on March 17th. W's next event as part of a deal, a 10-year deal with the Saudi government, is reportedly scheduled for May the 3rd. Nw made well over $53 million, uh, by my calculation, related to two events, uh Greatest Royal Rumble and Crown Jewel in 2018. Bobby Heenan, why are you dragging me in here? WWF headquarters. World headquarters. Right, now I got word from one of my sources that President Jack Taney just flew in. From Toronto, people are coming in from all over the world. There's a big meeting going on in here today, right before WrestleMania. That tells me something's going down. If I can get the scoop on this, I can prove to everyone that I'm a broadcast journalist. I can go on Nightline. I can have my own evening news. Come on. Well, Ted Coppola's going to do a bailout. Who? Ted, you know what I mean. So I'm going to have a guess at the attendance, announced, paid attendance, each of those, and the gate for WrestleMania 35, coming up at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. That's coming up on Sunday, April 7th. So since this is in MetLife Stadium, formerly Giants Stadium, we can look back at WrestleMania 29 in 2013, and the median paid attendance we got for that, based on the key performance indicators, was 69,000, give or take 3,000. And when you look at other WrestleManias that I've got similar data on since 2008, that have... Had WrestleManias in the venue twice, that is, for Orlando and for New Orleans. Okay, there's been two WrestleManias in Orlando and two WrestleManias in New Orleans since 2008. And the paid attendance numbers I got for each of those WrestleManias in matching cities have been very similar. So, of course, this depends on the venue setup, what W what decides to do for this WrestleMania, how many seats are they going to block off, how many tickets end up being given away for free. But I guess it's going to be pretty similar to the 69,000 that it was in 2013. Just because prior history in Orlando and New Orleans, those paid attendance numbers ended up being so similar. And if you want to know exactly what I'm talking about, I've got the spreadsheet linked in the podcast description here. WrestleMania paid attendance based on WKPIs. So let's say there's a paid attendance of about 69,000. I think WWE will announce something in excess of the 2013 attendance, which was announced as 80,676. I think we'll announce something just above that, maybe somewhere around 81 or 82,000. Sure. As far as a gate, we can look at what the average ticket prices are in prior WrestleManias leading up to this one. Average ticket prices for last year's WrestleMania was somewhere around $235. The year before that in Orlando, somewhere around $223. The year before that, somewhere around $217. So the average ticket price this year will probably be a little bit higher than it was last year. So if you got about 69000 paid, times at a minimum $235 per ticket on average, you end up with a gate of $16.2 million. So I would expect that gate at a minimum. The all-time record for a WrestleMania gate and for any professional wrestling show, even adjusted for inflation, that is a professional wrestling show that was not uh, purchased by an autocratic dictatorial government. So that's excluding uh, consideration of, of Saudi Arabia events in 2018. The gate record for a professional wrestling event is WrestleMania 32's gate of $17.3 million. Let's say, though, the average WrestleMania ticket price increases by about 5%, which is about the rate that it increased uh, in 2018 over the prior year. That would put the average ticket price this year up to about $247. Multiply that by 69,000 paid, and you end up with a gate of, of about $17.1 million. So that would be just short of the WrestleMania 32 record, that's not adjusted for inflation. So the dollar in 2019 is probably worth a little bit less than it was in 2016. So so either way, not considering inflation, uh, I would be slightly surprised if WrestleMania 35 broke the all-time pro-wrestling gate record that is currently held by WrestleMania 32. And after last week's discussion, I know there were some questions about other big attendances in WF, WWE's history. And so there's only so much we know about that stuff. Of course, WWE only became a publicly traded company in October 1999. So I found what the Observer reported on that back in April of 2001. And I got information that Meltzer reported for six events. The big event in Toronto in August 1986. A paid attendance of about 61,000. About 69,000 announced. Of course, the highly contentious WrestleMania three attendance. The Observer reports 78,000 total. 75,700 paid. Of course, the announced numbers, 93,173. WrestleMania 6, that's with Hogan Warrior, 62,000 paid, 68,000 announced. WrestleMania 8 in the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, 37,000 paid, about 62,000 announced. And I'm rounding on most of these numbers. There's a tweet on my Twitter feed if you want to look at the, the a column graph and the precise numbers. SummerSlam 92 in Wembley Stadium. Main evented by Bret Hart and Davey Boy Smith. 75,000 total, so I think that doesn't mean paid, that just means paid end comps. The observer text isn't terribly clear. 75,000 total and about 80,000 announced. And Royal Rumble 1997, that's Shawn Michaels and Sid. 48,000 paid and about 60,000 announced. Again, that's according to the Observer. There's no KPIs to cross-reference that stuff with. So last time we recorded, we talked about WrestleMania attendance, and I went through the years of 2008 to 2018 and looked at what WWE announced for its WrestleMania attendance and what the WWE's own uh, key performance indicators uh, indicate about what the paid attendance is, was... Uh, just based on doing the math and doing the math of the averages that W provides uh, that is with WrestleMania and without WrestleMania for the quarter that WrestleMania took place in. And there's a tweet related to this with a graph that shows uh, all this stuff visualized, the bar graph showing the, uh, the paid attendance with some error bars showing what the range would be based on the math and based on the round numbers that are involved with the KPIs. And then red dots above them, above each column, showing what W announced as its attendance. So just after I got done recording that, the tweet got spread around a little bit more. Jim Cornette retweeted it. Some wrestling news sites actually picked up the story, even though this was not terribly new information. One of those news sites, as it turns out, uh, took the graph, put its own watermark on it, posted a news story on it with the watermarked graph. Uh, I didn't come across this, but someone came across it and tweeted about it and tagged me in it, and and I didn't really think much of it. It didn't really upset me that much or anything. I thought it was kind of funny, uh, although, yeah, kind of plagiarism. But uh, you know, lots of people tweeted about this and were very defensive of me and said a lot of very nice things about me, and I appreciate that. And I was actually really surprised that my notifications kept blowing up uh, as the hours went by, and people took their shots at the, uh, the, the state that is uh, professional wrestling news reporting on the internet. But I should add, uh, several others. other news websites picked it up and and credited me properly, and that's very nice, too. I'm glad this information is out there, and it's information that's not based on some secret source. It's information that's just based on what's in WWE's own reporting and doing some pretty low-level math. And it's something that I'm caring about, especially lately uh, when I plug at the front here that you can go to WrestleNomics.com and find all this data, all this information related to WrestleMania attendance and lots and lots of other things. You know, it doesn't take a genius or a secret investigator or a journalist with lots of secret sources to figure this stuff out. Uh, the, the headline that I saw, I think on like two or three different news sites that picked up uh, the, my tweet and the graph, they used the word reveal. 10 real WWE WrestleMania attendances revealed as if they were veiled and then they were revealed. And I'd just like to emphasize that I didn't reveal these numbers. Again, all I did was do the math, do some research, and maybe putting the word reveal in the headline uh, leads to more clicks. And that's part of the search engine optimization. But I think this sort of anecdote is just one example of something that's more troubling or even disturbing in wrestling media and in media at large, I find it frustrating that the economic situation that we're in, and this sort of relates to something that I talked about last week where George Berrios talked about how WWE's business model is all about getting time, which you could just say is it's all about getting attention, it's getting people to spend time with your product. There is a huge fight within the wider media world for eyeballs or attention or time, So the object for any media creator, including those that report news, is less about delivering good content or delivering truthful content or useful content or informative content, more primarily because of the economic situation that we're in. It's about delivering content that makes people want to give it their attention. Because the economic situation that we're in is about getting lots of impressions, lots of an audience's time so that they are exposed to advertisements that appear alongside the content. The subject of WrestleMania attendance is relatively frivolous to more significant news stories that you can imagine that are being warped by this sort of situation that we're in. In the case of this WrestleMania attendance story, this was research and math that could have been done and I guess was done by me probably at the time when the Q2 report came out last summer. But it was not a big story then. Maybe that has to do with the timing of WrestleMania at this moment, because it's March and WrestleMania is a short time away now. And I'm sure it has something to do with the sort of exposure that that particular tweet that contained the graph got because it was quote-tweeted by Dave Meltzer and then eventually retweeted by Jim Cornette. But this story about WWE attendance, the actual paid attendance, say, compared to the attendance that WWE announces, that can be reported and figured out every summer when the Q2 report comes out and reports on what the average North American attendance is with and without WrestleMania. But it's not. And as far as I know, no wrestling news site has really ever reported that uh, at that time when the, that information is initially available. And that is probably because it seems to me that wrestling news is not necessarily concerned with informing its audience, but is just concerned with primarily getting clicks and ad impressions. And I think the way that media gets used in professional wrestling and i'm talking here not just about press media but about media technology also i think wrestling is usually a predictor for how the rest of the world will end up using media whether that's television uh, over the air in the 50s becoming popular with pro wrestling pro wrestling being one of the first things that got popular on cable tv wrestling seems to always be at the forefront of some new technology pay-per-view the internet video streaming social media not to be too ironic, but if you want a predictor of how a new form of media is going to be used in the future, often the first adopters of a new technology, of a new form of media, are pro-wrestling or pornography. Maybe there's something super base about that. Maybe pro-wrestling and pornography sort of inhabit these really primal levels of like violence and sex in and, and, and human culture. But, but anyway, I think when you have a media, like a, a wrestling media... That in many cases is so dependent on advertising and is so dependent on impressions, getting people's attention, not necessarily informing them, but getting their attention. You end up with a public that, or an audience that is infiltrated with all sorts of false conspiracy theories. An audience that doesn't trust its media reporting because that media has repeatedly discredited itself by appearing so desperate for that attention that it needs to economically survive, so you end up with an audience or a public that doesn't know what to believe and often ends up polarized and arguing with each other, and you end up with lots of angry people on opposite sides of an issue who have very different interpretations of reality, which sounds an awful lot like the state of political news in, for example, the United States today, and probably throughout other parts of the world. And I don't know exactly what the solution is, but I do believe that when you've got a media that is discredited itself, that you've damaged one of the important tools that a public needs to know when, for example, power is being abused. You know, people in power in wrestling, even before the phrase fake news was popular as it's become popular in the last couple of years, when wrestling news reports are brought up in lawsuits or before Congress, people in power in wrestling try to dismiss wrestling news as tabloid reporting as the dirt sheets. And I personally hear wrestlers use that term, the dirt sheets, all the time. And not even necessarily out of malice, but just because, I don't know, they don't know any other phrase, wrestling news sites, wrestling news, wrestling media. There is no other common phrase to describe the rather disorganized slew of wrestling reporting that's out there. But anyway, I, I guess I think part of the problem, part of the solution would be But the problem is we have plenty of people out there trying to catch all the impressions, trying to aggregate all the news together, transcribing interviews from every place into one website. There are dozens of those. That's what's most easily economically viable, I guess. But what we don't have are very many people out there with, I don't know, intelligent, genuine intentions, doing research, trying to discover news that is actually news, uh, not just scrounging around social media and trying to grab social media posts that they can turn into news articles that people will click on so that they are, so that the people who click on the news articles are exposed to ad impressions, but people who want to do the more difficult job of research, reading boring filings from the SEC, using the US Patent Office's search system, using sites like Pacer to find lawsuit documents, and, just as important, doing the boring work to actually understand what any of those documents really mean so that they can be properly explained to an audience, put into the proper context, so that they are not misconstrued and so that the audience is not misled. So this is all difficult and boring work. But I think if we only resolve to do what's on its surface exciting and spectacular and what's easy and what gets people's attention easily... I think we will only become dumber and dumber and really, if anything, just more confused and more unsure what the truth is, more distrustful of the media that we need to guide us at important times of injustice. So I don't know where we will find the will and courage to accomplish this arduous task, but I'm trying to make a a center of resource. I say it kind of jokingly, but like a public library where people can find stuff. Use it as a starting point to find real data, real facts. That's there for everybody for free. You know, I really believe if we build up, if only in small part, a more intelligent, more credible media and wrestling media will be better off. You know, Vince McMahon before a congressional subcommittee in 2009, uh, a congressman brought up to him a list of wrestlers who died too young, which was compiled by Dave Meltzer with Wrestling Observer, and McMahon dismissed it as tabloid reporting, as gossip reporting. And regardless of what you think about Meltzer specifically, you can look around at the wider wrestling media landscape, which too often isn't credible, is too desperate for attention, is soaked in advertisements, or is disorganized and not well-researched. So whether it's idealistic or not, I would like to live in a world someday where we can conceive of a wrestling media that's not just thought of as gossip or as the dirt sheets but it is something that is in some form of a benefit to the industry and to workers and to the fans and customers that are involved in it. And if what I'm asking for there is just not realistic and not practical, well then I I guess I'd rather be a futile idealist than a cynical defeatist. I'd rather be defeated by someone else than defeated, before we even begin, by ourselves. But I don't know, you tell me what you think. You can email me at Russellnomics at gmail.com. You can tweet me at Russellnomics on Twitter or at Brandon Thurston. I'll be wrestling this Saturday live in North Tonawanda for Emperor State Wrestling. The show is sold out. Uh, they're looking at whether tickets will be available at the door. I'm sure the video on demand will be out there at some point after the show. But that's it for this week. Talk to you later.